Welcome to Matt's Crummy Comics Collection. I am Matt, and this is the general release episode for September 2018. And for anyone that hasn't heard this intro by now, this is the show where I take a look at one of the books in my rather non-atypical comic collection. I am completely making up terms on how to describe this collection at this point. In this episode, I will be covering Silver Surfer number 7. That may seem like a specific issue number to focus on for a specific reason. And it is, sort of, but not any of the reasons that you would probably think. Silver Surfer, this guy has been around for a while. Chances are I don't need to explain him too much. So this will be a kind of a intro to Silver Surfer presentation. The Silver Surfer first appeared in Fantastic Four number 48, published in 1966. He is a silver-skinned humanoid that travels through space on his faster-than-light surfboard. He was once called Norrin Rad, or his name was originally Norrin Rad, and he was an astrom- astronomer. Wow, okay, it's like oxidization. From- that is the first time I've ever said that word right. If you ever listen to Is It Beer Yet, that's a word I could never say, and now I blew the joke, but let's try this again. So Norrin Rad, he was an astronomer from the planet Zenla. Norn saved his planet from the world devourer being Galactus. Galactus granted him the power cosmic that included the silver skin look, the surfboard, and a few other powers that appear now and again through this long, long run of Silver Surfer comics. He was given this power to search out other worlds for Galactus to devour. That was the trade-off. Spare, was it, I just... Lost it in my notes. Zen la la zen zen la zen la. I should know this by now. I actually have read this comic for ooh, more coming up on decades now. So that was the deal. Trade spare, I should say Zen La, but Norn, aka Silver Surfer, he's gotta find other planets for this this Galactus deed. When the Silver Surfer had reached Earth, he met the Fantastic Four, and in the interaction with the team, he sort of rediscovered his humanity. So in that, the Silver Surfer ended up betraying Galactus to save Earth, and now the Silver Surfer has lived in exile ever since. After this initial debut in the Fantastic Four, he appeared more times over the next couple years until he finally got his own Silver Surfer comic in August of 1968. His first run lasted 18 issues, coming to an end in September of 1970. The main title was gone, but the Silver Surfer was not forgotten. He continues to to appear all over the Marvel Universe. The second volume of the Silver Surfer comic started in June 1982 and ended June 1982. Volume 2 was a one-shot. Things pick up for the Silver Surfer in 1987 when Volume 3 starts with the first issue hitting shelves in July of 1987. Volume 3 had a far more respectable run, having produced 146 issues before ending in November 1998. This was the volume I read most Silver Surfer issues from. Now, if you've heard the Patreon episode, you heard me say Volume 2. Since I always forget that Volume 2 existed, that one shot. I always had thought that this, this run of Silver Surfer that I read was volume two because I had read reprints. I think it was like Marvel masterpieces or something reprinted the original ones like three at a time volume two. I don't think I ever read that one. So apologies for the mix up on the Patreon episode. If you heard that, I 
I referenced volume two. I clearly meant volume three. Now, I didn't read it all the way to the end of its run. I didn't read it till 1998. I kind of petered out in the early 90s when I started college, which is, uh, I think, an odd thing for a comic book reader to say. I think if you go into college <laughs> reading comics, you end up finding like-minded people and actually expand your comic knowledge, whereas I seem to have stopped reading comics. It may, it may have been the fact that I was working full-time and going to college and didn't really have time to read outside my textbooks. It may have fell off. It wasn't a conscious choice that I said I was going to stop reading comics, but that's about when I stopped reading comics until I became an adult and finally got to the point of earning expendable income, and then I started buying comics again. But in all that banter I just gave, this is not the volume I am pulling this issue from. This episode comes from a much later time and many volumes later. This issue number seven is from, from volume eight of the Silver Surfer, published in December of 2016. I hadn't bought a lot of Silver Surfer comics since I stopped reading him in the early 90s or reading them in the early 90s. But this one I did buy right off the shelf. It was staring right at me and I had to get it. Why? This comes down to the cover and it is a cover that I looked at and said, what the hell? And I had to pick up this issue and see what was going on. So let's talk about that cover. We'll get the let's get the easy stuff out of the way first. At the top, it says the Silver Surfer. The two words, one on top of the other, with a surfboard behind it. Marvel number seven on the uh, upper right hand corner, and at the bottom, the rating and the UPC code. Is, uh, is that what you call it? Yeah, I think it's the UPC code. Let's forget it. That's in the bottom of the ten corner. Just wanted to get that out of the way because I got to talk about what's on this cover. <laughs> At the very bottom of the page, you see a blue gloved hand holding a full house of cards. Two aces, three kings. Across from him is the Silver Surfer pitching in, looking like it's a three coin or not three chips of some sort. He also has a deck of cards, but of course, with his skin being silver, you can see the reflection of the cards in his, literally on his forehead. And his hand isn't near as good. He's got a two, a five, and three jacks. Behind him is, I uh, don't know, a dozen-ish aliens, maybe a couple more watching. And they all look to see, or really, they really look to, they seem to really want to see what the outcome of this is. They're really into this game. This is a cover I have not seen associated, or the, I should say the spirit of the cover is not something I've seen associated with the Silver Surfer in my experience with him. The gambling first and foremost. The second, he's smart enough to know he's silver and he shouldn't be holding up a, it, he shouldn't be playing cards, period, but he certainly shouldn't be holding up at the angle he is for the person to read him, or is it? Is he doing it on purpose? I don't know. So many questions about this cover is exactly why I picked this up, because this is not something I expected to see on a Silver Surfer cover, and I had to see what was going on in this issue. So what is going on in this issue? Let's open it up and find out. So on the first page, we get a paragraph on the Silver Surfer about the character, which says just about everything I said in the opener, just only shorter. So I should have just read this. We also get a bit about the second character, and I'm going to assume that this is important because why else would they spend the full page in the about 23, 24 pages they have of real estate 
to explain her if it wasn't important. So I'll give you the details here. She's Don Greenwood from Anchor Bay, Massachusetts. She's teamed up with the Silver Surfer in the past, and together the two have conquered cosmic villainy. The Silver Surfer did once take her back to Massachusetts to visit and be home for a bit, but when they did, a mysterious new enemy appeared, almost killing Don. Don's mother could have saved her with a blood transfusion, but instead she turned her back on Don. But luckily, Don had a twin sister that did save her life. And after that, Don left Earth with the Silver Surfer again, and presumably that's where we pick up. All right, that is that. Um, that is the full page. Like I said, when this day and age and this age of comics, well, it's two years ago at this point. A year, yeah, almost two years ago. By the time this is released. Not a lot of real estate these days for comics like they used to be when I was first reading them. So this must be important. So let's find out. So into the actual story, we start with a double pager and the surfer is gliding through space. Don is on the back of the board, kind of holding on to his waist. And we are in the crossroads of Carnus 9. That's what's listed as where we're at in space. Don asks where they're off to next, and Surfer looks at the available worlds at this crossroads. There's a planet with endless fields of erupting lava, a time-locked territory trapped in the Kree Skull War. Not sure what that means, if it's frozen in time or if that part of the territory is trapped in the war never ends, but that's another story, possibly. A meteor overrun by ever-evolving Omnisaurs. But above all this, the surfer finds a planet that he remarks as most promising. So the surfer glides above that planet. He lifts his board up vertically, like like imagine he's gliding across the plains. He just pulls it up 90 degrees, and that actually makes Don fall, slide right off the board. And instead of hitting the ground with a huge splash, he hits it with a huge boing. And the surfer explains this is Bump Lumpumps Minor. I probably messed that up, a.k.a. the Bouncy Planet. And right off the bat on the third page of the story proper, I think I hate this volume, Silver Surfer. After bouncing around for a while and having tons of fun, I would suppose Don asks how he's going to top that. And he does by taking her to a planet full of puppy bunny kittens. Surfer takes a little moment to confer with his board to see if he's proceeding correctly in, I don't know, impressing, wooing Don. It's a little, this, this next response gets a little confusing, to which his board replies with the surfer's own reflection, making that heart symbol you make with your hands. So, yeah. From there, he takes her to a planet with cotton candy trees, then to a ball pit planet with some purple alien manatee schmood looking things soon in this ball pit planet a bigger ginormous purple manatee schmoo alien thing appears and takes the little one out and walks away at this point don quickly realizes that this is a daycare planet and starts piecing together that the surfer is taking her to the safest places in the universe she starts arguing with him that she wants danger and risk. He protests by citing that th since they've met, he's caused her a ton of pain in her life. And he doesn't want that anymore. But she persists, and he summons his board. He says, I'll show you risks you can never imagine. 
As he leaves, a green-suited, yellow-visored specter of a man appears mumbling. He said, you made the wrong choice. This path will lead you to nothing but heartbreak. Next page, Surfer says, welcome to the riskiest place in all of creation. He gives her a zap with the power cosmic and changes her casual weekend garb into a fancy dress. And the two enter a large floating gold set of arched doors just kind of drifting in space. Behind that door, the Casino Cosmico. And I feel I need to say it that way in the font that they use to introduce this building. It's picture how my voice sounded as font. And that's might be right. They're immediately greeted at the door by an alien who informs them that if they continue to the casino, they are agreeing to place at least three bets each. It's either gamble or go home. They go inside further on, hit the casino floor. But before they start to gamble, Surfer says he needs to see someone. Mephisto is challenging a cloaked insectoid looking alien with, and I quote, a fiddle of gold against your soul. Yeah, so I guess I didn't realize Charlie Daniels was a cosmic villain on the weekends. Mephisto plays, but now it's this insectoid guy's turn. And like I said, he was cloaked, but he opens his cloak to reveal six arms and three fiddles. This bug dude plays, wins, and Mephisto disappears in a big red poof. In a dark office in the casino, a lackey brings the owner a couple of globes that show the Silver Surfer and his human traveling companion. They extend both of them a small line of credit and lead them towards the easy tables. They play a few games. Soon, Dawn loses her money, but she did win a keen space hat, and she finally finds the Silver Surfer, who's been winning big up to this point, and he's upgraded himself from silver to gold. Dawn wants to get a winning streak going, and she ends up playing an alien for something that he is calling Precious Little Things. So Dawn wins, and what she wins is this alien's Precious Little Thing, which ends up being a memory of the alien's daughter's birth implanted in Dawn's head. At this point, Dawn, winning or not, is ready to go, but Surfer isn't. He needs to win his board back, which he just lost. Dawn decides to get in on this game, but Surfer warns her, this game bets a physical part of you, but she goes ahead and plays anyway and spins the wheel that is part of this game. She loses, and now Dawn loses the ability to see the color red. Now the Surfer is up to spin, and he also loses, and now he can't pronounce the letter B. So at this point, he might be saying, oh, 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 this comic book is pretty ad. That was improv. That's on my notes. The proprietor of the casino arrives, and it's Endwe Gas, the Grand Master. Surfer explains that Endwe Gas is the galaxy's greatest gambler. Well, he's saying he's the greatest gambler. The Grand Master offers Surfer one last chance to win everything back, and the Surfer can even pick the game. Surfer says he chooses the Earth game that Enjamin J. Grimm taught him, Poker. And I'm sad to say that I actually had to think about who he's talking about because that missing B and using the full word Benjamin, Ben Grimm didn't hit me right away. It was like a panel later. I'm like, oh, so the bet is made. It's the surfer's board currently in the Grandmaster's possession against all the star maps in the silver surfer's head. They deal the cards. 
Grandmaster is showing Big Slick, the ace and king against the surfer's pair of jacks. Surfer wants to raise the stakes. He wants Don to be able to see the color red again. Grandmaster says to put up the power cosmic against it. Surfer says that's too big of a prize, so the Grandmaster throws in the return of the surfer being able to pronounce the letter B, and Surfer agrees to this. Next card, it's another king for the Grandmaster and a two for the surfer. Grandmaster calls for the infinite all-in, and the two players can ask for anything from each other. And of course, if the surfer doesn't call in folds, he loses the game. So, the silver surfer calls. And the Grandmaster is the first to bet, and what he is asking from the Silver Surfer is his companion, Don. Now it's time for the Surfer to match that bet, and what he asks from the Grandmaster is his games. If the Surfer wins, the Grandmaster can never play a single game during the rest of his life, which spans until the end of time. With these stakes too great, the Grandmaster folds and the Silver Surfer wins. Next page, the surfer and Don come flying out of the gate, fully restored. She can see red. He can say bees. He's back to being silver, and they're both extremely happy at this point. That green-suited, yellow-visor specter guy is still there, and he's still mumbling. And he says, you two have everything to lose. You just don't know it yet. Still not quite sure about this guy, but we'll get into that in my notes. Don asks, where to next? Surfer says, I know the perfect place. And on the last panel, they go to the meteor that's overrun by the ever-evolving Omnisaurs we saw in the opening of the story. And with that, we actually get the title and the credits on this last page. I didn't miss them in the opening, if you were wondering. They're on the very last page of this comic, which is the first time this has happened in this series. I'm sure it's not a first for comic history. Just the first one that I've talked about in recording. So the title of this comic was The Infinite All-In. And maybe they save that till the end as a spoiler alert, but it doesn't really say how he won. So I don't know. The credits storyteller are listed as Dan Slott and Michael Allred. Color artist, Laura Allred. Letterer, VC's Joe Sabino. Cover, Michael and Laura Allred. And editor, Tom Brevort. So, all right. <laughs> uh, notes. First and foremost, I get a very Doctor Who vibe from this. The companion traveling with someone that can go anywhere in space now the time element isn't there but the whole companion again big big gap in my silver surfer history we're talking three quarters of the way through volume three to not picking up till issue seven of volume eight so this might not be new but it's new to me and like i said big doctor who vibe right off the bat puppy buddy kittens this is like the Super Bowl commercial, Puppy Monkey Baby, although I think that actually came after this. I think that was in the 2000, oh wait, no, 2017 was just last year. It might have been the same year, which still would have come after this. But uh, the my point is the bunny, puppy, kitten. I see bunny and I see kitten. I don't see the puppy in this unless that they're always puppy size. So I don't know. Maybe it was just throwing three cute animal words together and doing the best they could without making it look horrific was the idea, which is probably the way to go because this was supposed to be a fun set of panels, not a frightening set of panels. I will admit, even though I kind of, uh, I may have grown when I said it in this recording in my notes, but the ability to pronounce B's or the loss of it, that was, there was a bit of a giggle there. Uh, in some of his lines the 
the Ben Grimm was the only one I wrote down, but of course they gave him, they didn't give him like tongue twisters with bees, although I'm in this style of storytelling up to this point until it got serious with the final bit, it would have fit just fine. But the, the, the B part, that was, that was kind of interesting. I was really worried when they said physical, uh, you're betting something physical. She was kind of like get her arm cut off or, or something. But no, that, I, I did like the idea of losing that type of, I guess, physical ability. She couldn't see red and the way they illustrated that really easily was her dress was red and black so now it was black and white for the rest of the comic until the final bit one bit i did like visually when the grandmaster asked uh silver surfer to bet his power cosmic and he eventually agreed he did the power cosmic kind of uh floats off the silver surfer and leaves noran rad behind and is on the table that's i it's been a long time. I don't know how much we see Silver Surfer back in his original Norrin Red or as Norrin Red. I'm not sure how to describe that in real time. I know I've seen a ton of flashbacks, especially in that first series, but I don't know how much we see that in, like I said, real time storytelling. It was interesting to see, oh, like three pages, three good pages of Norrin Red. I don't recall seeing that a lot. So that was that was a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, visually, I'm going to say paging through this is fun. It's very, it's, you heard the story. It's a fun story until the end. And actually the end is actually a really good silver surfer moment, which I was getting a little worried about up to this point. He is smart. He is clever and he outwitted the grandmaster. But up until then, it's a fun story. Individuals go along with it. Well, the color is great. The art of course is great. I rarely say the art isn't because I just cannot draw, but the art is very good. And this The silver surfer has got to be a pain to draw with the idea of him being reflective, but not reflecting every single detail like you would if you were made of a, of a reflective silver. So it always, I'm always impressed by the artist and the colorist combined that put together these silver surfer panels being able to do that. So this is fun to page you for sure. So as far as my rating goes, from the crummy to classic scale, I'm not going to say it's completely crummy because there were some moments that I enjoyed and it kept me wondering what is going on with this Silver Surfer. So I couldn't stop reading it out of anger or but certainly wasn't bored. So it's not crummy. I didn't hate it, but in the end, I didn't particularly care for it altogether. It was a big redemption for the character that I remember in the last few panels. But up until then, I'm not sure the Silver Surfer that I know would do this. But like I said more than once now, not my Silver Surfer. My Silver Surfer is volume three, and I don't know what happened in the other volumes between there. So I can't hold it against it. The fact that it's not my Silver Surfer that I know is not its fault. But all in all, a casino in space story, not the strongest story for any comic. But like I said, as far as putting the Silver Surfer in there, in the end, it worked for that character. So not crummy, but not great. In between, but on that low end of in between. Like once you get past a bad comic and it starts getting too okay, it's in that that gray area between the two. It's just there. And on that note, that will do it for this episode, but it doesn't do it for this series for this month, of course. You 
may already know. If you're a Patreon subscriber, there's a second episode coming in just a couple days, and that is featuring Elvira's House of Mystery number seven, another number seven issue that wasn't planned. I picked both of these based on the cover, and if you're a Patreon subscriber, you're going to hear why I picked the cover of Elvira House of Mystery number seven on that feed. If you don't know what Patreon is, that is the thing that keeps news as up and running It pays for storage, bandwidth, and hosting, which are the three major ingredients to put these online and for you to be able to download or stream whenever you want. And again, that is thanks to our generous Patreon supporters. If you want to learn more about that and see the other exclusive episodes we do, we don't just do these Matt Crummy Comics Collections episodes. We have other ones as well that we post exclusively for our supporters. You can find out more at patreon.com slash news as. And of course, if you happen to have just stumbled upon this episode and don't know about NeoZaz.com, check that out. Easy enough to find NeoZaz.com. That's where all the shows that we do are. Our shows are rooted in our love for pop culture. Chances are, if you have a love of a particular pop culture subject, especially starting from the 80s up till now, chances are we've done a special on it. We might even have a full ongoing series about it. And to find out, you can just visit NeoZaz.com and all of it is right there. We've been doing this just about 10 years we're almost at 10 years a lot of content on there to search through we have our social media pages we are neozaz on twitter and instagram and neozaz podcasts on facebook so follow those for postings that go along with these episodes as well and for stuff that we do outside of the shows all right i think that finally does it for this episode except for that one thing that i must do which is thank you for listening and i'll see you in that next episode